Amen. Let's praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Gary, for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Will you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? I want to share a scripture with you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. It says this. It says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you and honor you. Lord, we praise you for the work that's been accomplished and done already in the house. Lord, we've felt your presence and, and just enjoyed your touch. Lord, we know that you are here to, to inhabit the praise. And we know that you are here in the altar to meet needs and to touch lives. God, we thank you for what you have already done. We pray that you would anoint the word today, that you would get the preacher out of the way, and God, that you would give us all ears to hear, and Lord, hearts that would be touched and changed forever. We praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. What I love, this scripture that I just shared, what I love about it so much is it's kind of like a definition of what it is to be authentic. If you look at this scripture, it talks about love as kind of the subject, but the way it talks about it, it says, let's not love in just word or with our tongues, but in deed and in truth. So what it's saying is, is it's not about just saying something, but it's about saying something, doing something, and it's not just about saying it and doing it, but it's about it coming from our heart, from it coming from authentic roots. And how do we do that as Christians? I just want to throw something out here to you. Uh, our authenticity, so to speak, doing the right thing from our hearts is really not what we're all about as human beings, but in the presence of God, but in time with the Lord. And the, 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 the deposits that come from Him, they transform us. They get down inside of our hearts and change us. When we fill up our hearts with who He is and what He is, he, he does his transformation inside of us, and we, do, we can become like him and live like him and, and interact with the world like him. We become uh, authentic. We become more genuine as we allow him to take root in our life. Amen, amen. I thought about this. I thought about the word authentic. I looked this up, and it, it gives these two words. It says, of undisputed origin and genuine. And I thought about it. You know, this whole thing, if, if I could give a, a title to this message, um, it's genuinely, genuinely authentic. It's kind of an oxymoron, but it's genuinely authentic is the name of it. And I want to talk to us about where our hearts are and what is the, the fuel in our life, so to speak, about all that we do and who we are. Authentic and uh, of undisputed origin and, and genuine. And I thought about who God is, and it makes sense of undisputed origin. Of course, God is the original, in the beginning God, as the Bible starts out. But then there's a, that second uh, term there is genuine, genuine. God is who he said he is. And if you've been around long enough and you've trusted him, you have found out that who he said he is, he's come to pass and been exactly who he said he is. If he's given you a word, if he spoke promise into your life, and if you've trusted him and kind of 
taken steps of faith and walked on him, so to speak, you have found out that he's real and true and he's faithful. Amen? We found out that he's real in our lives. He is the authentic thing. And I want to remind you today that he's still true. Whether it's been a bad time for you recently or something's going on and it's hard for you to kind of see through the storm of what's going on, he's still faithful. He's still true. Amen? He's still genuine. He still brings the testimonies regardless of the situation. Normally, it's not like we think it should be. Normally, it's not in the time like we think it should happen. But it always comes through. And and the Bible even says that not only does he come through, but he comes through right. And he comes through perfect right when we need it, right on time. And the very perfect thing, if we'll trust him, he's a man of his word, so to speak. He's God. Genuine. He is true and he's real in his character. James 1, 16 through 18, and I'm kind of focusing on the second half of this, says this. So, my dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and every beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is no deceit. There is nothing deceitful in God. There's nothing two-faced. There's nothing fickle. I don't know what translation this is, but it sounded good to me, so I... I brought it to you. He bought us he bought us to life. He bought us to life using the true word. He spoke us out of that authenticity, his trueness. He spoke us out of that. And he says he shows us off as the crown of all his creatures. What's so beautiful about this is is it just reflects back about how incredible he is. And and this is kind of part of where we're going, but it's not the whole place that we're going. But I want to remind you, as you were set here today, and you're in a situation, I had the Lord bring this back to me, that this is supposed to speak to some folks in the house. You Maybe you've been through some stuff this week, and there's some things that are going on. The Word, the Word comes alive for you today again. The Word is here to speak to your situation yet again and say, I'm faithful, it's going to be all right, I'm here for you. He wants to take care of you. If you are, if you are the person that's paced the floor this week and you've wondered and thought, if I was going to pace the floor up here, I could. I've got a whole lot more room. But if you've paced the floor this week and you've just worried and thought and just prayed and you're just holding on, the word is for you. He's faithful and he's going to take care of you. He's true and he's real. And he's so awesome. I found myself the last couple of days, I wanted to share this testimony with uh, testimony with you. Let's see how much time I got here. Quick testimony. I was at my house just of his faithfulness. I was at my house and me and my son, we were working on something and we were trying to, uh, I was trying to get a bolt out of something. And to be honest with you, I was using the, uh, the wrench that some of us like to call a hammer, you know, and I, I was getting ready to break this bolt off this thing. And, uh, I hit it and boom, it came apart. And my son, Leo, he said, he said, I just prayed about that. I prayed, God, that it would come off. He says, I prayed to God that it would come off first time, and it did. He's like, this is awesome. And, you know, I responded like a good dad in the middle of, you know, being mad about breaking the bolt off something. I was like, oh, that's awesome, you know. That's cool. Well, it was yesterday or the day before. I was praying, preparing for this message, and it was like, the Lord played that, my son saying that, he played it back almost like like on a recorder. And I heard it. 
He said, man, I prayed about the first time and it happened. God answered my prayer. And the Lord took me to a prayer that I pray pretty much every day if I'm not distracted. And the prayer is this. I always pray for my son that he'll know the Lord because, you know, I've got a brain and I want him to know the Lord. And I'm like, I want him to know you. I want him to know you for himself. Have his own experience. And the Lord spoke back to me and said, I'm answering your prayer. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. God is true to his word. Search the scriptures. Search your heart for the words that he's given you, spoken to you over the year. And I promise he is still remembering those things and he's still going to be faithful. Over the last several weeks, we've talked about a, a heart for the house. And basically, the heart for the house means this. It's the, what is, it's the question, so to speak, what is my responsibility as a, uh, a person in the family of God? Uh, what is my responsibility specifically to this home church that I've been called to be a part of? What is my responsibility to the body of Christ? I've thought a lot about our church. It's 104 years old, as Cameron mentioned. Our church is 104 years old. Our pastor always said, you look good for 104. I've, I've, I said that I didn't really say it the right way. I kind of fumbled it up. I said, you look really good, but the carpet's starting to wear out. This carpet is 30 years old, and it looks 30 years old. But anyhow, God has been faithful to his promises year after year. What God has put together can be attributed to no particular person but God himself. The, be the beautiful thing is that God has always had a faithful people. People that were willing to say, God, I love you, I want to know you, and where can I serve? I want to serve you, Lord. We've had that in our church over 104 years. It's been a hallmark of, of who we are and where we've come from. And if it, somebody might say, well, how do you know that? I know that because 104 years later, we're still sitting here. We still have a church that God is looking after and taking care of. Some people in our history that have made the biggest difference, you would never even know it. You would never, maybe you never know their name or never see their face. Maybe they would just be a, a picture in an old directory in black and white in the background somewhere and you wouldn't even realize. Maybe there's somebody that's, that worked on the church or fixed something or swept the floor somewhere a hundred years ago that made all the difference for us today. They've paved the way in their faithfulness and they've done what they were supposed to do. They answered this call to responsibility. This church has been marked by people that were not just in it for themselves, not just playing a game, pulling the wool over everyone's faces. Some people would say, hey, I met a few scoundrels around the church and the church in general over the years. And I would say, of course you have. Of course you have. A bunch of those people have gotten saved and they've went on to heaven, as a matter of fact. But, but of course, you've met a few scoundrels over the years, but the church is not built on a few scoundrels. Amen? The, the church is built on the rock Christ Jesus. The church is built on people that would say, God, I want you to be my everything. God, I want to love you and serve you and point me in the right direction, God, because I'm ready to run. And we've had that in our church over the years. We stand on something significant here today because God raised up people in a little steel town. The church was built because there were people who were the real deal. They were authentic. Maybe the world doesn't look at 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 saints, so to speak, in churches. Sometimes they don't get not a lot of notoriety, so to speak, out there, you know, out there in the world. Maybe they're not big in stature, or maybe they don't speak so eloquently. I'm one of those people that don't speak so eloquently. But 
maybe they, they didn't get any kind of recognition like that, but yet they're giants. They're giants over the years in the crowd, people that were faithful, people that would do the right thing and live. It doesn't matter if they grew, if you grew up in church or not, you've always been surrounded. You can mark them down. I could, I could give you a paper and a pen and you could make a list and you could tell me of people that were the real deal. They were faithful people in your life that you looked up to. Maybe it was your grandparents, maybe it was your dad, your mom, aunt, uncle, a friend, the person down the road. I remember my mom when I was a kid, 10 years old, I remember my mom coming home and telling me this story. She worked at Kmart and had to work a lot, so she didn't get to go to church a lot, but there was a lady there that she would go to and talk to. It was a Christian lady that would pray with her and meet with her, and one day they were in the stock room, and this, this lady prophesied over my mom and gave her a word. The church, the body of Christ, has always been alive and well and been there and been faithful, and we know people like that. We've been affected by people like that. It's what the body of Christ is all about, those heroes that inspired you to want to know more about God because you saw God in them. You could give me a list. For 104 years old, this church has had a lot of those saints over the years, and we still have a bunch in the house today. We still have a bunch in the house today. But it presents us with this beautiful picture of where we're at right now, that we have this opportunity to be the face of the modern-day church the body of Christ today, we have the face and the opportunity, we have the opportunity to be the face of the church, and it's a responsibility that everybody in this room has. It falls on every one of us. Every one of us have this opportunity. You get to decide what the church looks like. Yes, the pastor has his place, the staff has their place, the, the calendar, everything has its right place, but you have a responsibility because you can decide what the church looks like. You can decide what other people are going to see and identify as the body of Christ, as Stratford Heights, as Christians. But we have the opportunity to step up and to get, our, get God deep down in our hearts, have relationship with him so that what we do and what we live is the authentic move of the Lord. So that when people look at us, we can say, there was the real deal. There's somebody I can look up to. I'm, I'm inspired by their life. If nobody else is real, I know that person is real because there's something different about them. God's working down inside their life. They, they talk different. They act different. They live different. Where you should be upset because things didn't work out, they find a way to be happy about it. God does something inside of them that's different. You have the opportunity to be the face of the church. I put this down. I said, you're in charge. That might be the craziest thing you've ever heard, but you're in charge of what the church looks like. You can choose to stand up and be counted. You can make a difference in your obedience. Your genuine pursuit of God, he can use it to impact lives around you. You can. You can make the difference. You can be all the difference in the world. There's a, we've talked a lot. Let me try to jump on my notes here. Will you be the ones that will stand Will you be the one that says, God, no games, no lackadaisical life, I'm here and I'm ready to roll. This, uh, what we've been thinking about and talking about, the pastor and our staff has been talking about a lot, is the culture of our church. The culture of our church is the feeling, it's the who we are from somebody that comes in from the outside. They can identify who we are and how we act. It's like the unwritten thing that we are, regardless of what we say we are. There's a certain culture that, that Stratford Heights. And we've been thinking about that and talking about that. Well, in my mind, you know, I, 
this week I was, I woke up Monday morning and Tuesday morning and I was thinking about the church and I was thinking about the vision of the church and God, God specifically spoke to me and dealt with me and brought something to my attention and it was something that I had to step back and think about and he said this, he said, just because you say it is a certain way doesn't mean it is a certain way. And I got to be thinking, I got to thinking about my responsibility to my own walk and my own life. And in reflection to, to our church vision, it says embrace God, connect with one another, pursue growth and serve the world. I started thinking about just because I say that doesn't mean that's the truth for me. Just because I say it real good, just because I have three Stratfordites t-shirts that say it on the back, you know, one that's got the sleeves cut off so I can look rebellious. Just because I wear the t-shirt doesn't mean I live that out. And I got to thinking about, man, if I was going to describe our church to somebody, if somebody said, hey, describe your church, I would rattle off those four things. Boom, this is who we are, blah, 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 blah. But then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, if I say, oh, we connect with one another, and somebody visits our church, and I don't talk to them, don't go out of my way to figure out who they are, if I don't connect with them at all, I'm kind of not telling the truth. I'm kind of saying, oh, yeah, we connect with everybody. But if I'm not doing it, I'm kind of lying. I kind of, I can call it a fib because calling it a fib sounds better than lying, you know. sounds easier. But it touched my heart. I, I was convicted. I was like, Lord, just because we say something, we have to be careful to be the real thing, to back up what it is that, I'm, that we're saying. So I got to thinking about that. But I have to take my responsibility for what that means. And you have to take responsibility for what it means. The, the vision of our churches is ultimately, it's really here. It's not really, hey, this is going to identify us. It's really about marching orders. This is the goal. This is what we've wanted. This is what we're striving for. We want to go here. We want to embrace God. We want to connect with one another. We want to pursue growth. We want to serve the world. And we're doing our best to get there. That is what it's really about. But the responsibility falls on the church. The, the, the word, his word falls on the responsibility of every one of us that to be the genuine, to be the real thing. Yes, the pastor has to, to you know, toe the line and, and follow through on vision. The calendar has to reflect our vision. The staff has to reflect vision. But the church has to. Not just the, the, the wood and the screws and all that stuff. But the church, every one of us has to reflect the church because we are saying, I'm a Christian. I, I, I go to church. I, I'm part of the, the family of God. I'm a part of the body of Christ. If we are, then, then we have to sit back and say, am I lining up with everything that I say? Is that who I really am? There could be a difference there. And, and my stress and what God showed to me was, hey, be conscious of this. Be thinking of this. You want to be that authentic thing that, that stands in the hard times. You want to be that person that people run to and that, that, that love, you know, reach out to and love in times of hard times. Be the real thing. But I, I can say, yes, we connect with people, but if we don't, we're, we're not telling the truth. The, the truth is the vision of our church is an opportunity it's a direction and a goal for each individual of this particular body. I'm going to take a water break here real quick.
Sometimes I just have to slow down. It's a life lesson for you. The vision of, church, a vision of our church is an opportunity. It's a direction and goal for each individual of this particular body. When fulfilled, it is a very plan of God unfolding in our midst. We each have a responsibility to God first when we say we're a Christian to be the real thing. We each have a responsibility to God to be the real thing when it comes to the body of Christ to be genuine. Now let's talk more turkey here. The history of our church is the history. We can be proud of it. We can be proud of all the saints that have come, come before us and everything that's happened. But today is the opportunity for us. It's the opportunity for us to be the one that's going to make the difference 105 years, 106 years, 110 years, 120, however long the Lord tarries. It's an opportunity for us to say, God, I want to do this thing right. What's my responsibility? I, I want to be right. I want to be everything that you've called me to be. It's an opportunity for us to stand up and be what God has called us, called us to be. Will you take that opportunity? It's not a question that's just a, a good old preaching message that I said something about and we'll forget later this afternoon. It is a question that comes to every one of our hearts and every one of our lives as individuals. Every one of us have a responsibility to God to say, God, what do you, what do you want to do? Here I am. When we went to the cross, when each one of us took a trip to the cross, not only did man... Jesus paid for our sins, shed his blood so that we could have that new relationship. But when we went there, we said something else at the end of that. We said, the rest of my life, I give you all that I am. I lay it all down. In that, we all have this responsibility that says, I'm gonna, God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to be who you've called me to be. We have to think about that and consider that. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a second. But I wanted, I've got 10 minutes, so we're going to rock and roll through the rest of this real quick. God has a plan. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, is this beautiful story that, that Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And he's, he's kind of trying to tie a bow on this thing. He's challenged uh, the Corinthians to give an offering to the poor. And he's done this thing, and, and uh, there's actually kind of like a year's time from when he from when he's challenged them and, and how they've responded and when he's going to go back and collect on what he's challenged. And he is impressed by these people. They responded very emphatically, very energized. They were excited. Yes, let's do this. They were so excited about the offering that they were pulling together that other people heard about it. They got wind of it, and they got excited, and more people started, yeah, we're going to give too. And it was this beautiful thing. And I want to share the story with you. Paul... It's, it's beautiful how you can get, wrap your mind around Paul's heart. Starting in verse 1, it says, I really don't need to write you about this ministry of giving for believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. You're like, yes, man, this is exciting, awesome. But, but check this out. And Paul says, but I am sending these brothers to be sure you're really, <laughs> to be sure you really are ready. 
as I have been telling them, that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in boasting about you when we would both be embarrassed, not to mention your embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all that I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. I thought that was so ironic because he raves about how awesome they are, but then he jumps back and says, but just in case, you know, the, the talk is a little bigger than what it really is and, you know, things don't really match up there, I'm going to send this team ahead of it just to make sure it is like we said it was. And I thought that was incredible that 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 situation happened like that. And it speaks so much to us, so much truth in that, that we can talk something and figure out, whoa, we better be, care- better be careful that we really are what we say we are. We don't want to be embarrassed. It, Paul was concerned because when the time went by, the hype of the moment went, went, went away. There was distance there. There had been time. He didn't know if they were all they were saying. He said, you guys are awesome, but just in case, I'm going to send this team ahead of me and make sure that you're ready. Then he says it would be kind of embarrassing for both of us if we did all this talking and it turned out to be just that, talking. Because just because you say it is doesn't mean that it is. And, and I'm going to jump into this. Um, I'm going to jump back and forth on a few scriptures here. But I thought this is cool because God always works with compassion and grace and mercy. Paul, in this situation, he says, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and send a team to make sure to help you out, so to speak, to make sure what you said is going to be backed up. I'm going to send this advanced team, and he pulled these guys together and sent them. I believe uh, Timothy might have been in that crew. But anyhow, he pulled these guys together and sent them and made it to be okay. And that's how God works with us. He always sends a way to make things right in us and to take care of us. And, and I want you to see, you know, how, how do we be authentic? How do we make sure that what we say lines up with the real people that we are? How do we get those two things on the same level? Well, I can kind of say it like this. If you go back in your memory bank and you think about the people that were the real thing, genuine pillars of God that you just looked up to, if you look at, your li- look at their lives, they probably had troubles and problems and issues. You know, they were human. But what they had was probably this relationship with God that was at the center of it all. They had immersed themselves in who God is through his word and through prayer and, and through a life with Christ that, that had transformed something inside of them. And when it came out, it made them real. It made them true and authentic. That's probably what we see. And God, the, Paul sent this advanced team to make sure that the people were ready. And I think, in a sense, God has sent us our advanced team. I want to just point out four things, four scriptures here that represents this advanced team. Four, four people, in a sense, if you will. Number one, the word of truth. John 17 and 17 says, it says this, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. This is Jesus talking. Number two, the Holy Spirit of truth. John 16 and 13 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The God of truth, Deuteronomy 32 and 4, he is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. For 
a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright as he. Number four, the true Savior, 1 Timothy 1 and 15. It is a trustworthy statement serving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among who I am foremost of all. There's this place we just continue to immerse ourselves in our relationship with the Lord. You know, the transformation that needs to happen, it, it continues to happen. It needs to happen in our hearts. We don't, I'm, not, I'm not talking to a room full of people that I think are uh, bad or something. But what it is, is I think we're all at a place where we want to keep going. Where we want to keep stepping forward and be that church of tomorrow and the next day and the next year. Where we want to be that genuine people that, that God can use to raise up and use to make a difference in this world. I want to challenge us to keep immersing ourselves in the Lord so that we'll turn out like Him. So we'll look like Him to the world. So we're there. If you will stand with me. I've got two more stories to tell you. And they're quick stories, so... Tell your knees it'll be all right. Psalm 1, I'll, I'll share this with you first. We have a tendency in our lives, let's say this, I have a, uh, I'm going to tell you two quick stories. One is, is I would listen to the radio, listen to uh, radio from Cincinnati, and uh, I would hear the same people talk on the radio day after day, and what I did was after a while, I created this mental picture of what they looked like based on the way they talked and the way they sounded, I was like, I identified them over and over again to where I just knew what they looked like until I saw a picture of them and I was like, they look, I, I thought something went wrong with the world. I was like, they look nothing like I thought they would look. They look totally different. We have a tendency, uh, at, at least I do, is we form this opinion of ourselves based on what we think, how we see things. Our best, usually we base our opinion of ourselves a lot of times on our best intentions. And sometimes we form our opinion on, on everybody else based on their, their worst failure. But that's a story for a different time. But I want us to think because we can get off track in how we see things, how we see ourselves. Psalm 139 and 23 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As David being honest for the Lord. The last thing I want to say is this. I, uh, several years ago, something, something dawned on me. I want us to think about who we are, who we really are. You, you live with you. Some of who you are, you wouldn't tell anybody. Some of who you are, maybe you don't even know. It's why it's so important to put ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, have your way in me. But anyhow, several years ago, I had this revelation, and it, it's my own revelation. And if you see it different, it's cool, you know, whatever, it's cool. But I was looking in the mirror one day, and I was trying to do the best with what I've been given. You know, and I'm like, well, I look okay, you know, this is the best I can do. Okay, I'm cool. Go on about my day. But then, at the same time, Marty, at the same time, I would see maybe a picture randomly posted of me somewhere on Facebook. I didn't post a picture, but, you know, maybe somebody else did. So then I would see myself and be like, ugh, what, you know, just feel 
like the biggest fool ever. But the, I found it, I figured out, why is that so different? Why can I look in the mirror and be like, ah, oh, you know, it's okay. The difference is, I found out for me, is that when I looked in the mirror, I was like skewed in what I saw. I was trying to do the best with what I have, and I was like, okay, you're, you're passable, this is okay. But when I saw the picture of myself, what I thought was, this is what everybody else sees. And that's what made the difference. I want you to think about this. Get this in your heart and your mind. You may see things one way and, and be okay with it, but it's time that we let the Lord get down inside of us and transform our lives and transform our hearts. Changes. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, speaking of transformation, you know, we talked about it already. Jesus came, sent from God, came and died on the cross for our sins. The Bible talks about how every one of us are lost in our sins, that we're, we're sinners by our nature. We're sinners, we're lost, and we need a Savior. God sent His Son to die on the cross to pay for our sins, though, to, to take away all the wrong and make a way for us to be reconnected back to God, to, ha to go back to this relationship that we were intended to have, and, and we can have the life that we were intended to have. Jesus died for our sins. And speaking of transformation, what he wants is to be in your heart and to be in your life. And the only way we can do that is if we'll say, you know what, Jesus did die for my sins. I believe that I am a sinner, and, and I do need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior, and, and I want him to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, because I want him to transform my life. I want to give him my life and see what he's really called me to do and be. If that's you and you would say, I want to pray a prayer like that, I'd ask you real quick to raise your hand. Is there anybody? There's one. Is there anybody else? There's two. Is there anybody else? There's three. Is there anybody else? It's your time. It's your moment. Jesus died on the cross for you right in this moment. There's three folks. Is there anybody else? Okay. We're going to pray. Even if you didn't raise your hand, but you're like, you know what, I, I need to pray. Just pray with us. God hears you just as much as he did anybody else. But if you would, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. And thank God, because the sin is Son, to be a Savior for me, to pay a price for my sins, to connect me back to God, and to give me the life that He intended. I believe in Him. I confess Him. Now I'm going to live for Him. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we're going to pray. We're just going to pray about what we talked about. God, look in my heart. Look at and look in inside of me. If you're if you're willing, if you're willing to say, God, I, I want to know what this is about. I want to know what this opportunity, this life is about that you've given me. I want to be everything that you've called me to be. If that's you, I want you to pray, God, search my heart. Search my heart. Know my ways. Transform me and change me.
Let's give him the opportunity today. Let's give him the opportunity tomorrow, this week. Let's look to honor him with our lives and be everything that he's called us to be. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, God, we pray, Lord, that you would first put the magnifying glass on our hearts. God, we're willing and we're open. We're going to let you get right in there and do the work that needs to be done. We're going to let you forgive us of some stuff. But God, we're going to let you also heal us of a few things, some hurts from the past, some different stuff that maybe we've been protecting and hold on to. God, we're going to let you get right in there and deal with those things and bring a healing and bring transformation to our lives. God, we're going to let you get right in there and fill everything up inside of us. God, you're going to transform us because we're going to give you an open door to come right into our lives in every way to the deepest, darkest places of who we are. We're going to let you transform transform us. We open up and ask you to come in and have your way in our hearts and lives. And God, we know that you're going to transform us. Do you want to turn us into the body of Christ? You want to turn us into the very people that you're calling us to be. So Lord, we open ourselves up and give ourselves to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. God bless you all. God bless you all. Thank you for the wonderful day that we've had. Man, the presence of God has been wonderful. We want you to go this week and be encouraged. We love you. Man, we love you so much. Continue to be praying for the different needs that we mentioned, Brittany Brashear, so many others. Continue to hold them close. Tonight, we do not have service, and that is so that you can be with your family. Love them. Love Jesus. Hold hands with them. Give them scripture. Pray over them. Have a wonderful time. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.